Well, last Sunday, Pastor Chad brought us the last chapter, right, of our series on Revelation, the book of Revelation. And he also mentioned that there were a few prophecies that needed to happen for the end to come, right? And one of the things that we're still waiting and must happen for the end to come is that the gospel of Jesus reaches all the peoples. Does that mean that everybody's going to come to Christ? Yes or no? No. But that does mean that every peoples will get a chance. Every people around the world. And this doesn't mean just every nation with a flag, but every people uh, with a language, with a culture. They will get a chance to have access to the gospel. How we long for that day. Write this down in your heart. We die for what we love. We die for what we love. And some people have decided to die in order for the gospel to reach these places. So the end can come. And there was this missionary. He worked for about 30 years. And it was a very successful ministry. If you look at it by some of the results he got, um, they actually reached multiple other nations because of his investment in smaller groups. And he went around his region of the world making a difference. Those who knew a little bit of Scripture, he went there and explained it some more. Those who knew a lot and were just mistaken, he found a way to explain it in a way that they got the truth and they followed it. Um, he was an amazing guy. But there were multiple attempts made on his life. People that he was trying to serve, trying to kill him. He was arrested multiple times. And he ended up being executed by the leaders of the country he was in. So you would look at that life and think, well, that's a loser. Is he really? Was he really a loser? And I've got here with me his last letter. He wrote it to one of his disciples, one of the guys he was training. And that missionary of three decades of ministry, he, he said to his pupil, do your best to come to me soon. For Demas, in love with the present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia. Titus to Dalmatia. Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me for ministry. Tychicus I have sent to Ephesus. When you come, bring me the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas, also the books, and above all the parchments. Alexander, the coppersmith, did me great harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Beware of him yourself, for he strongly opposed our message. 
At my first defense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. May it not be charged against them, but the Lord stood by me and strengthened me so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Who was this missionary? The Apostle Paul. Not an easy life. Not the most beautiful end to an awesome life, to an awesome ministry. Was it worth it? It was. Because here we are. We are going to live with Christ forever. Because people like this man kept the faith and decided that to live was Christ and to die was gain. But the power of that gospel that transforms societies, it just brought us to the point, and multiple times in history it has brought us to this point, in which we feel fine because there's comfort. I mean, come on, there's air conditioning in the desert. I feel great in this place. I love it. But there's a day of reckoning coming. Every knee will bow. Are you ready for that day? We die for what we love. What do you love? That's probably what you are going to die for. Is it going to be worth it? Is it really? I know I invite you to open your Bibles to the book of 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy is the last letter of the Apostle Paul. He wrote it possibly a few weeks, maybe months, before he was executed. He was executed under the Emperor Nero. We're talking about the year 63, 64 to 67, something like that. That's when he was executed. So he probably wrote this letter on those days. Second. Timothy. We're going to concentrate our studies today on chapter 4, verses 1 through 8. 2 Timothy, chapter 4, verses 1 through 8. This says the Word of God. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, 
They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off in, into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry, for I am being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have found, fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who loved his appearing. Let me read that again. He will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Let us pray. Dear God, we need your Holy Spirit to crush through the barriers of our heart right now. Because it is possible that human ears may hear this cognitive stuff and will get the logic of it, but yet our hearts will not be transformed. But if the Holy Spirit of God takes the sword of the Spirit now and through these sinful yet redeemed lips, the Word of God is understood. Lives can be changed. And Jesus, you know how much we need you and how much we want you to change lives. And we are not. We're not proud here. We must admit that there's a chance that there's some changing to, to happen in our lives too. So change us. Speak to us. In your name we pray, O oh Lord. Amen. Wow, what a powerful message. I mean, okay, it's the Apostle Paul. All right. But there's, there's this aura of wisdom and of... There's this, this solemn feel um, to the last words of somebody that, that just... just makes those words hit you in a different way, right? So Paul's in the end of his life. So it's not just any guy, any man, any pastor, any missionary. No, it's, it's the apostle Paul. I mean, he saw Jesus in a vision. Jesus came to him, talked to him, commissioned him, revealed himself to him. I mean, it's the apostle Paul, okay. But he's also, like many of us, gone through the ups and downs of life, trying to be faithful. And a lot of his plans changed. One of his first letters was his first letter to the Thessalonians. Now, if you're in our class on Wednesday nights on the book of Thessalonians, on those two letters, you'll remember that Paul was expecting the return of Christ. And at that point, even the Apostle Paul 
could expect that that return of Christ would happen while he was still alive. Well, when he's writing his last letter, he knows it's not going to come. Not yet. He knows he is going to die before Jesus returns. And that kind of changes things, right? But as we saw in his in the beginning of the sermon here, I, I read the, the end of the letter. He was still working. He said, you know what? I'm stuck in this prison. I am crazy cold, so I'm going to ask my friend Timothy to bring me a cloak. It's like, Timothy, do your best to come before winter. It's going to get cold down here. So bring me a coat. I need it. And please, bring my books. Oh, especially those books. Why would he do that? Because you never stop doing God's work. So he knows he needs to get Timothy ready. Now I want you to notice one thing. Um, Paul is charging Timothy to carry out the work that he cannot do anymore. But is he charging Timothy to be a new apostle? No. He is charging Timothy to be a new preacher, a new pastor a new evangelist, okay? It's like, Timothy, you've got to keep on going. You've got to carry this through. But the thing is, the apostles, the age of the apostles ends when the apostles die. How can then we say that we are an apostolic church? We don't call Chad the apostle Chad. We don't call Keith the apostle Keith. That would be kind of weird. But we remain faithful to the doctrine of the apostles. And that's what Paul wanted Timothy to do. Timothy, you've got to press on. Now, don't worry. You don't need new visions and stuff. You, you, don't, you don't need that. You've got the doctrine. I taught you the doctrine. You've got to keep on moving. Now, look at what he uses to call Timothy to this spiritual sobriety. He says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ who is to judge the living and the dead and by his appearing and his kingdom. First perspective is, Timothy, you have got to do this because God is who he is and he's going to do what he's going to do. So you've got to be aware of this. All right, so Timothy must, must be reading this. Yes, of course, and I, and I love my God. I love my Jesus. That's what I want to do. And yeah, he's coming back and he's going to judge everyone. And if you're planning to be a preacher, be careful because those who teach will be judged even more severely. That is why I was talking to Pastor Josh just before service started. Yes, so you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm okay. I also feel like I'm going to die, but I'm okay. Because that is the seriousness of holding up the word of God and saying, thus says the Lord. I will be judged in a more harsh way. And that is terrifying. Ask my wife how my preparation days for sermons are. I'm usually not doing very well health-wise. It's heavy. Because God is so holy. Because God is so powerful, He's so just, and I'm not. 
Yet, I hide myself behind his holy word and behind the cross of Christ and let his blood be the lenses through which the holy God will look at me and not burn me. He redeems me and allows me to communicate the truth in a way that can reach hearts, perhaps change a life. That is just how powerful and amazing and wonderful and loving our God is. That's the first perspective in which this charge is put to Him. And then there's a second perspective, which is the state on which the teaching will be proclaimed. And this looks a lot like our age. Now, if we go to verse 3, he says, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions, and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Now he's saying, all right, you've got to teach. You've got to preach the Bible. Like, okay, nobody's going to want to hear it. Well, that's encouraging. Now, guys, when I come here and I open the, the Bible to explain it to you, there's one thing that's really good. Usually churches are filled with a bunch of people who are true Christians. So they're eager to hear. They're like, okay, give me the word of God. That's what I need. I need my food for the week. Give me the supplies. So you come here to church, you're like, Jesus, speak. Holy Spirit, speak. I want to hear. I want to I have this truth change my life. So I, I'm, I'm kind of used to do, to do this. Like over, It's been over a decade that I do this. So that feeling is awesome. But then God gave me these opportunities of preaching the gospel like in a prison and in schools. And they don't want to hear. Nobody's interested. So there I am with my Bible. Hey, all right. And everyone is talking. I'm like, oh, no. And okay, look at me here. And nobody's looking. They're all talking amongst themselves, and I'm like, what am I doing here? This sounds a lot like the audience to which Timothy was being called to preach. But then something happens. Something happens. You open the Word of God, and you read it, and then the room goes silent in a different way. Not silent because everyone fell asleep, but silent because the Holy Spirit of God is speaking. And that just makes you go, I want to do this again. Timothy, look at God. Look at who he is. Preach the word. You know, the audience, they're not going to be too friendly. They're not really interested. But when the Spirit of God wants to speak to them, there's nothing, nothing that can stop it. He'll just do it. And then there's a third a third perspective in which he calls Timothy to pay attention to, which is his own example. Paul is saying, look at God. The audience is not going to be very favorable to you. 
But look at my example. Look at my life. And again, it's very difficult for you to raise your hand and say, everyone, look at me. Do it like I do, right? But Paul could. If Paul could, I believe this is something that we can strive for. We're probably not going to be as good as him, but we should attempt to be models to the younger generation. Now, the younger generation, I I don't just mean uh, these guys, like the younger ones, but I mean those that came to Christ a while ago. Let's do a survey here. Raise your hand if you came to Jesus over 50 years ago. All right, hallelujah. Great. Raise your hand if you came to Jesus um, about 40 years ago. All right, cool. Amen, hallelujah. 30 years ago. Awesome. Okay. 20 years ago. Cool. 10 years ago. And we'll stop right there. Some of us are very young and need encouragement. We should look at these more experienced Christians and look, hey, if I want to be like Jesus, I want to be like that guy. I want to follow Jesus like that lady does. I want to pray like that guy does. That's why the church cannot be divided by age groups. This is the church. Full of people who came to Christ 50 years ago. Full of people who came to Christ 40 years ago, 30 years ago, 20 years ago, 10 years ago. We encourage each other. And when you're going like, oh man, Jesus didn't return yet. You look at the new generation and say, but they'll carry the baton. They'll do what we could not. They can go farther. They are able to do it. Now, I ask you this, and I ask you this, not not lightly. Do you want to be faithful to Christ? Yes or no? Do you want Him to look at you on the last day and say, you did exactly what I wanted you to do? Okay, for that to happen, there are three hard things that are going to happen to you. You're going to come to church, and that pastor that you really love, who's a great guy, he's going to end up hurting you. You know why? Because he's going to have to rebuke you. Sometimes he will. Sometimes he's going to have to exhort you. Wow. Will he encourage you sometimes? Yeah, sure. I think most of the times Christians who are walking with God, they're encouraged, right? But it's hard being a sheep. The Lord has set these shepherds and they use the word of God. And you know, sometimes the word of God feels like a pillow and it's so nice. It's like, oh man, I love the word. Word's so good. I I just love the word of God. And you're like, oh man, I come to church. I mean, how can I not love the word of God? But then sometimes, oh, the word of God. It's like the pastor aimed at your forehead. And he was like, boom. And you're like, jeez. I'm tithing. I'm being nice to people. 
And then you come with the word of God and you hurt my feelings. Well, yeah. That's what we do. Now, some people say that um, churches are full of people who are being fake. Well, not this church. But wait, you're looking at me, what? I'll prove it to you. So I decided to get a buzz cut, right? It didn't work well. <laughs> thing is, no, stick with me. So, thing is, my wife told me, I'm like, babe, buzz cut, let's go, it's summertime, let's go. And she said, Daniel, it's not going to look good. I'm like, just do it. It's going to work. Don't worry. It's my hair. It's going to grow back, I hope. So it's going to grow back. Just, just do it. She's like, it's not going to look good. I'm like, okay. So she did it. Well, she was right. And then I'm like, oh, no. What do we do now, right? And then <laughs> a friend of mine like, oh, you, you could wear a hat, right? And I'm like, okay, but I can't preach with a hat on, right? And I had already said to Pastor Chad that I would preach today. I'm like, okay, fine. I'll just deal with it. Okay, so I, I got to church. And then I find Miss B. She's standing in the coffee parlor there. And I'm saying hi to people, saying good morning and stuff. Then Miss B looks at me. And then, and Tyrone, you might, you might be able to, to say if this could be true or not, right? But she looks at me and she goes, Daniel, you're ugly. <laughs> I'm like, Miss B, I know. I just hope it grows back. I, ho I hope it grows back. <laughs> you see? So there is honesty in this community. No, we don't want to be fake, of course. But here, here's the thing with the Word of God. It, it works as, as a mirror, okay? So at the same time that it shows, hey, nice beard, it also shows, hey, that hair didn't look good. Here's the thing. If you want to grow closer to God, this book's going to hurt you. So toughen up. If you want to live a life that's pleasing to God, you're going to get hurt. So toughen up. But you know what? It is so worth it. It is so worth it. Man, this book changes lives. It changed my life. It changed so many lives here. And perhaps you're here today thinking, I'm not sure about that Christian stuff. Well, I'll tell you this. If you hadn't, haven't read this book yet, oh, you've got to read it. It's awesome. If you don't understand it, don't worry. We'll explain it to you. We'll go step by step. We'll go verse by verse. You're, you're going to get it. Just, just keep coming on Sunday. You'll, you'll, you'll get it. And then eventually, one day, you're going to see that it's like this book is alive. And it's God talking to you. And some of you might be looking, okay, Daniel, I, I get this. But you see, you're preaching to pastors. How many here are pastors? Raise your hand if you're a pastor. Oh, I see one over there. Okay. So I could just have a conversation with Pastor Keith, and that's it. Why am I taking up all your time, right? Because Paul is talking to who? To Timothy. Why is this text relevant to me? Right? Now, this is something a lot of people miss. If the Word of God is being used by the Spirit of God here, like an arrow, like a powerful arrow, it was first aimed at the heart of Timothy. Paul was looking at Timothy, saying, Timothy, 
you've got to carry on your work, the work of an evangelist. You've got to do it. Boom, he shot it. And it, that spiritual arrow, it must have hit Timothy right in the heart. Like, boom, like, I've got to do this. I've got to keep the faith. I've got to keep working. I can't give up. I'm going to do this. The thing is, this spiritual arrow, it keeps on going. And then it hits like right on the heart of preachers. The ones who preach, the, the ones who teach, they're like, wow, what a responsibility. Man, this is a charge to me. Yes, it is. And here's the thing. A lot of Christians think that it stops here. Oh, this text is for Christians. Brothers and sisters, if that were the case, in every single wedding, we would hear a message about Jesus turning the water into wine. If this was true, that the Bible is only, can only be applied in specific situations, women's groups, they would only talk about Deborah and Mary and only the women in the Bible. But every single verse of every single page is a verse that is relevant to your life. So then this goes through Timothy. It goes through the preacher. And now it hits you. How? you got to think, man, if these guys do what they do and are willing to die for what they do, the Word of God must be something I value. And then I ask you, when was the last time you picked up your Bible to read it? I'm going to ask you another thing. Technology is awesome, right? Love technology. Love it. Amazing. Here, here I am speaking into a microphone. I love it. I've got a projection there. It's incredible. But you know what I found as I've been studying? The books that I truly treasure. They're not books I have on my phone and flip around and read a verse here, a piece there. They're the books I actually invest and I read them until the pages are falling off. This is how much you should value the Word of God. Throughout the ages, people have died because of this book. So it could reach you. Can you read it on your iPad? Yeah, sure. Especially if you can like make the letters nice and big. Wonderful. But how are you reading this in your spirit? Some of us are going like, okay, yeah. Yeah, okay. Others read it on their knees. They're sitting down in their chairs and their hearts have a bended knee looking at the Word, drawing from the Word. And then look at the final verses. 6, 7, and 8. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering. This was the last stage of a sacrifice that was being offered. They took the drink offering and poured it over the sacrifice. So Paul is saying, Timmy, Tim, I'm, I'm going to die. Okay? This is the last of me. This is the last. This is the end. Okay? Um, and my life is nothing but an offering to God. That's what my life is. The time of my departure has come. The term here for departure, it has to do with a boat that's tied up to a dock and the boat is set to sail. And Paul knows that the journey is only beginning. He's like, Tim, my life is in its end. I lived for Jesus. And you know what? My new journey is going to start. I'm going. But that doesn't mean that this life was meaningless. Then he says, 
I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And here's the thing. There's a lot of things that you can fight about, fight over, fight for, or even die for. But is it really worth it? Some of us have been engaged in fighting and struggles that will not matter to the life to come. There's another journey that is about to start. For some of us, it might come today. We're untying that boat. We're setting it off. Are you ready for that trip? You know, on that boat, we're not, we're not putting anything in that boat. Oh, but I have this awesome TV. I'm sure Jesus will understand. No, you're not bringing it with you. But I just got this car. Let me enjoy it for a while. Once you're in the boat, sailing off, everything stays back. What are you fighting for? You're going to get to heaven like, whoa, Jesus, I know. Okay, I lived a complicated life, but look at my zip code. Man, this zip code is fancy. Look at this. Will it matter? A lot of us are really good at a lot of things that don't matter. Let me tell you, well, when I went back to Brazil in the beginning of the year uh, for my friend's funeral, I told my church the story of Mr. Frank, who was from our church, who was an evangelist and lost his life due to an accident. Um, so I told him his story. And now I, I want to tell you the story of Mr. Hans from my church. Mr. Hans was born in a Mennonite village in the Ukraine. It was called Nadenfeld, which is the field of grace. And now it has a new Russian name, which I cannot pronounce. Sorry. That's how my international languages stop. Like pronouncing German. Boom, that's it. All I can do. He was born there. But he was born and he grew up like his teenage years, when the Russian Communist Revolution was going on. So he would get these Bolshevist guys and these, um, these other government agents. They convinced a lot of their youth to spy on their own families. So Mr. Hans, he, he, he told us of how there would be relatives who got seduced by the communist government and in a way that they were willing to give up their own family members. So they would listen on the other side of the walls to see if anybody would read a verse of the Bible or sing a hymn. And Mr. Hans grew up trying to be a Christian in that world. And the communist, uh, communist government would seize um, their, their grains, the things that they, they had planted, and... The Mennonites at the time had really good farms in the region, and they just kept getting confiscated, and they started being hungry. And he went through all these difficulties, and then the war broke out, um, Second World War. And Hitler's armies started advancing towards Russian territory. And the news radio would say, Oh, we are winning all the battles, all the battles. Now, this battle happened here. This battle happened there. And as he was listening to those news on the radio, the battles were always closer to home. And he's like, how can we be winning and the battle is always closer to us? 
So it's as though Canada decided to invade, and then they say, oh, look, um, the Battle of New York, we did really well. Now the Battle of Atlanta, yeah, we're still doing really well. Oh, now the Battle of Phoenix, we're doing really well. Are we really? So he's listening to this, and he's like, somebody is losing this. But in his village, people were getting killed and persecuted by his own government. So they started fleeing. So they ran away from that Russian oppression, that, that communist Russian oppression. So they were running away from that. On the way, who captures them? Hitler's armies. He was 16. He looked young man. He looked fit to serve in the Fuhrer's armies. They put him in the army. Mr. Hans, a Christian, is now wearing a Nazi uniform. And they put him in a trench, and he's operating a mortar. Battle breaks out, his first battle. And then they run out of mortars. One of his, one of his friends says, Hans, go get some more. I'll stay here, and I'll load these up. So, okay, so he turns around, go get some mortars. A bomb falls right where he was. Kills his friend, and he's out. Boom. He wakes up, he, somebody's carrying him, they're dragging him through his arms, and as he, he can see the floor as he's being dragged, but he can feel his heel hitting the ground, because from the shrapnel, his leg had twisted, and he passed out again. He wakes up again, he's in the hospital, he's looking up. So the doctors look at him, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll cut off his leg, yeah, okay. And then he look, wait, wait, he's awake, boy, how old are you? He's like 16. And then you go, okay, let's try to save his leg. He's out again. Boom. He wakes up again. His leg was operated. His leg is there. Good. He's out again. He wakes up again. They're evacuating the hospital. The allies are bombing the place. So he jumps off of his bed and starts crawling to try to approach the line of people who are running away to these planes. Mr. Hans is put in one of three planes. Two of them are shot down. His plane stays. He gets to Paraguay as a refugee. Starts a new life there in a Mennonite village. Moves to Brazil, becomes a truck driver. Finds his wife, marries his wife, starts a family. Then begins working with plywood. And start with a few friends. They have a big factory and he's one of the minor um, partners there. And they're making plywood. A fire strikes. Burns the whole place down. Then he looks at all those charred pieces of plywood and says, wait a second. I think I can use this. So he turns to his friends and says, guys, I want to buy the company. They're like, it burned down, Hans. Like, I want to buy it. Like, okay. So he bought the company from them. So he looked at all that charred stuff. He's like, God, what am I going to do? So then he saw that the outside of the plywood was all burned. But the center of every single sheet of plywood was still intact. He's like, I'm going to sell this for a better price. Just cutting off the edges and say that it's another pattern that we chose. So he did it. He says, okay, it's a different kind. It worked. It sold. The company grew. His children lived off of it. His grandchildren 
work in the company today. And then a few years ago, Mr. Hans passed away. Great man of God. There were a few things that Mr. Hans respected a lot. Above all, the Lord Jesus Christ and his word. And because he valued the Lord Jesus Christ and his word, he valued the office of those who preached the Bible. He was an old man who fought in the Second World War. But he called me sir. We sat down to, to talk one day and I wanted him to tell me his stories. And he said, Mr. Mr. Pastor Daniel, like how we would say it in Portuguese, what an honor for me to have you in my house, sir. I'm like, Mr. Hans, come on. It's like, no, Pastor Daniel, it's my honor. And he insisted on calling me, sir, and telling me his stories. And you know what? I am here today, and I'm able to be here today, studying more of the Word and being able to preach it better uh, in a way that people can actually understand. And because Mr. Hans' children are some of my sponsors here. Mr. Hans' grandchildren are some of my sponsors here. When he was about to die, one of his grandchildren came to him, and he had lived in Germany for a while. Now, the good Germany, right? Fuhr is out. Hey, Germany, one of our allies. Awesome. And then he's like, Grandpa, as the two members of, that have served um, the German army, I would like to salute you. And then he salutes him. He's like, so he salutes him back. He said, thank you. But let me tell you something. What really matters in life, my friend, is to be a soldier of the army of the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't you ever forget that. Just her grandpa. Saluted him back. Mr. Hans is with the Lord. And just to think that he could have been seduced to serve evil. But God freed him of that. He needed a bomb to do it, but he freed him of that. He saved him. And because he saved him, a bunch of lives ended up meeting the Lord Jesus Christ, confessing their sins and having their eternal destination changed forever. Are you fighting the good fight? Is the gospel you're fighting for something that's like wishy-washed to fit our woke ideas and stuff? Don't do it. Don't try to change the book. This is the truth. We die for what we love. What do you love? What will you die for? Let us pray. Lord Jesus, if it were not for you, we would be condemned to eternity in hell because of our sins. God, your word will reveal 
bad things in our lives that need to be changed and that hurts. But you're not hurting us because you hate us. You are hurting us because you love us. So let us not take your word lightly. Our heroes are passing away. Who is going to carry the torch? Who will take the baton? We need men and women of God who are willing to fulfill the task that you assign to them. Not the tasks that we want, but the tasks that you want. Oh, when they converge, it's awesome. But when they don't, sometimes we get resentful. Let us not be resentful. God, help us. Go back to our Bibles. Read them and let the text change our lives. And oh God, if there's anything that we are supposed to fall in love with, let us fall in love with your return. Let us dedicate our lives to the things that contribute to that day, the day of reckoning, the day in which the King of Kings will step and walk on this land and set his rule forever. This we pray in your holy name, Jesus. Amen.